Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Robots Radio presents You're listening to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast The best way for everyone from experienced dungeon masters To those curious about D&D To learn more about the worlds, creatures, and lore of Dungeons and Dragons Well, welcome to episode 70 of the Dungeon and Dragons Lorecast. I am Hello. I am your host, Almighty Crit, and joining me as my co-host, Sergio. Hello, world. <laughs> Hello, all you Dungeons and Dragons fan, all you Dungeoneers and Dragonites out there. Yes. So, um, Sergio. Yeah. I um I tinkered around the tower a little bit. Yeah, I've, I've heard you. I've heard you making weird noises, and I always I like. I always ask, "Well, what are you doing over there?" And you're just like, "Mind your, mind your own." <laughs> mind your sort of living. Si- that's a little sort of living situation we found ourselves yep. in now. But I, I do want to say that I did um, take some inf- inspiration from uh, a good old fashioned uh, character in our homebrew game, Tariff, and I found a magical ooze that can uh, transform into any instrument. So it was pretty cool. Oh, nice. that's what you heard last night. Oh, that banging and clacking and yeah. strumming. Yeah. Nice. Thanks, Tara. <laughs> You're but starting anyway. your starting your own noise core band. I am. <laughs> nice. So, I think what people really want to hear is us dive into Arakokras. What do you think? The Arakokras, the the bird folk of Dungeons and Dragons. Um, this is a this isn't a new race by any means. This is a race that has its origins in the 80s. But as far as being a widely playable race, mm-hmm. 
that is a fairly recent development in Dungeons and Dragons. And I applaud Wizards of the Coast for doing so because it was long overdue. I mean, it's uh, it's something that we'll get into. We'll get into the, the actual mechanics of the character uh, here in a little bit, but uh, it's it's divisive for sure. Like some DMs will not have it. And in fact, the Adventures League uh, has banned the character, has banned the, the the race from games. And mainly because of the, the flight ability, mainly because of the ability to fly. Some argue that it makes it, um, as the gamers like to say, OP or overpowered. Wait, aren't we gamers? <laughs> I mean, as, as you know, but as, as gamers are known to say, you know, I don't want to say OP and then have someone think like, I don't know what that means. And I don't want to say overpowered and be like, yeah, you could have just said OP. So I'm going to go both ways. I'm going to try to have my cake and eat it too. No, Sergio. <laughs> but I will say it was disappointing to hear that Adventures League was going to not allow it as a race. But I do understand. I do understand. It is a little OP being able to fly above the battle. And I mean, could you imagine dropping arrows left and right while flying above enemies that can't fly or don't have long range. I mean, you'd be picking off people left and right. I mean, and that's that's something that we'll get into when we mm-hmm. talk about uh, how to build a possible Aarakocra, um, different classes you could use, yep. and uh, the pros and cons of those. But so for so the basics of the Aarakocra is that they are essentially what you would consider like a bird person to look like. It's like a giant anthropomorphic bird mm-hmm. they're known as bird folk uh sky hunters featherheads i think the featherheads is probably um sort of uh um, something that's uh, someone who isn't really a fan of the aracocra a, might a call slur them. term if you will a bit, yeah. yeah like you're like what yeah. you would you call me like okay oh sorry <laughs> sorry um but they are originally from the elemental plane of air mm-hmm. they uh their mythic origins uh I couldn't really find anything like hammered down. The best I could come up with is that they are um, sort of created in the image of a deity known as uh, Kokra, Kroka, mm-hmm. who's a who's like a avian bird god sort of deity. Um, although there's another deity known as uh, Sinranita, but and some, you know, some sources indicate that Serenita is replaced Croca, uh, Croca, but in in homebrew or in in any like even if you're running a, a regular campaign, like why not use both? When it comes to deities, um, I feel that's the easiest to easy most malleable of of like you know of the mechanics to use. You can mm-hmm. be like, well, I want to go ahead and. Uh, this deity from the Eberron campaign, I want to use it in the Forgotten Realms campaign and just run it by your DM. And, and uh, to me, that, that that shouldn't be too much of a problem. No. But uh, they're sort of like two halves uh, of the same coin. Croca uh, uh, is more uh, like hunter-based. Uh, he's touted as the creator and uh, and he fashioned them uh, the Aarakocra sort of as evolved eagles. Mm-hmm. Um, and he himself 
is a eagle with golden wings and a deep scarlet head, like um, plumage, like feathers, um, which is why he, he gets the name the Crimson Feather. Uh, he is directly connected to the elemental plane of air. And so obviously he's he's worshipped by the Arakokra because he's considered the all father of their race. Mm-hmm. Um, Serenita is sort of um, the uh, all mother protector and the mate to Kroka. Uh, as the myth goes, she actually raised him to godhood so that she could abide with with her love with him forever. And um, and then of course like you know. With any sort of myth or legend, there's half truths. There's truths, half truths, and just downright lies, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, it would be it would seem strange to have, you know, one god raise another god and then uh, willingly re- have themselves replaced by that god. Yeah. But um, whereas Croca uh, is more uh, like. The portfolio is hunting, uh, combat. Uh, Serenitas is more um, like home arts, and so education protection. Mm-hmm. So more like cleric than ranger fighter. So let's get into the the like the actual like the 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 basics of the race. So you get a plus two to dexterity, which is huge. Oh, huge. Yeah. And a plus one to wisdom. Uh, Aarakocras aren't, are, are, are fairly slight there. They are, um, their actual like body composition is very much like our actual birds. Like they're very yep. fragile and yep. have hollow bones, uh, about five feet tall, anywhere from 80 to hundred pounds. Uh, the walking speed is actually 25 feet, so it's slightly less than your than most of the beginning races. Thing, you know, most being 30 feet, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, however, that flying speed, though, that flying speed is gonna be. Uh, and Thanatos like, oh, so you can effing fly? Like that's the only <laughs> thing people care about. Yeah, I, I mean, and and this section isn't gonna be very in depth because so you have a flying speed of 50 feet. Yeah, but you have to be wearing either no armor at all or light armor. They can't fly in medium or heavy armor. Yeah, which makes sense because of their bone density and their builds and their small skinny little bones. Skinny little bones. Um, and then their talons can be used as a natural weapon. It's a slashing damage, one d four plus their strength modifier, and that's pretty much it as far as like racial traits are concerned. So So, I want to bring one thing up. Bring it up. Go ahead. So, what I find really interesting about the Arakokra is the fact that they reach maturity at the age of three. Three years old. Like, I'm three a full-grown Arakokra. Yes. Let's go. However, they also expire usually around 30 years old. So, mm-hmm. you got a good... By the time you reach adulthood as an Arakokra, you got a good, what, 27 years? Most adventurers really reach their peak at right around 10. Yeah. So middle-aged as an Arakokra, pretty much you're, you, that's when you're going to reach your, you know, your, your beginning of adventurerhood. That's when you're going to really reach your, you're starting to reach your peak. So most of these Arakokra, I'm sure don't become, 
true legends before they die. Well, I mean, that's uh, that has a lot to do with the fact that, like, traditionally, traditionally, talking is hard. (laughs) They enjoy peace and solitude. They sort of like keep to themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's sort of a in-game reasoning for why you wouldn't see too many Aarakocras. Uh, because they don't really become the adventuring type. Yeah. Well, and it also says in the in the book and in the notes that we've read that adventuring ones typically go to more of a chaotic alignment. So they're they're not really wanting to be tied down to the lifestyle of everybody else anyway. So that's why it makes sense for them to journey out. Yeah. And a lot of them, and it says a lot of them are good aligned characters or creatures. Yep. Yeah. Well, it's, it's because of the, their sort of like, uh, their pathology, their, their legends. And, mm-hmm. um, so the, the main legend behind the Aarakocra, uh, and, and most that become adventurers are, are, they have tie, some kind of tie to the wind dukes of Aqua, uh, mm-hmm. also known as the Vati, Yep. who are the lords of the elemental plane of air where the Aarakocra hail from. Mm-hmm. And so they honor those ties by seeking out missing pieces of the rod of seven parts. Now the rod of seven parts, very cool story. So way back in the gap, back in the day, uh, the forces of law are battling against the forces of chaos at the dawn of time. Yes. You know, this and this is for control of the cosmos, for all the tea in China, all the cheese in Wisconsin. This is for all the Mountain Dew in my fridge. This is for everything. <laughs> it's a lot of Mountain Dew. A lot of Mountain Dew. I just picked up two 12 packs of thrashed apple. Ah, it's fantastic. <laughs> so Miska the Wolf Spider is leading the forces of the Chaos Army, and the Vati, the Wind Lords, they're heading up the law faction, like the 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 law and order side, right? Mm-hmm. And so they're they're battling at the dawn of time for control of the cosmos. And the Vati realize that they're outnumbered and outgunned. And so they fashion a powerful weapon known as the rod of seven parts, mm-hmm. uh, which could kill, like theoretically, they, they say this has enough power to kill Miska in one blow. So at the Battle of Pesh, they're going at, they're squabbling. Their battle is to a standstill, but the forces of law are almost wiped out and in desperation, one of the Vati strikes Miska with the rod, but instead of killing the wolf spider, it simply imprisoned Miska for eternity in the abyss. Ooh, that had to hurt. So, yeah, so this, uh, this ends up fracturing time and space, and it creates the multiverse as we now know it. You know, where order and anarchy are constantly mm-hmm. at odds and trying to beat one another for complete control. And so the legend goes that uh, the fate of the multiverse and, you know, everything in between is in the hands of whoever wields the rod of seven parts because they could either use it to rule the multiverse or they could use it to free Miska from abyss. Mm-hmm. And so then Miska would control the, the, the multiverse, right? And so it when it when it struck Miska, the the chaos inside of Miska's blood inside of its spirit inside of its aura it was too much for the rod to handle. So it broke up 
into seven parts and it will spread all over the multiverse all over and so uh that's sort of the the um like the hook for the adventure Mm -hmm. is finding the first part and then uh it will it will pull it will want to be sort of like uh the one ring in lord of the rings and like wanting to get back to its master the the rod wants to get put back together and so it'll you find the first part and it'll like sort of pull you towards the next to to seek out the next so that's that's a big reason why some aarakocra would do the the adventuring live the adventuring lifestyle Mm -hmm. uh another one would be um beefing with gargoyles aarakocra All right, so if Aarakocra are born to be kings and princes of the universe, to borrow a term from Queen and Highlander, uh, or not just the universe, but of the elemental plane of air, then gargoyles are that, but for the plane of Earth, mm-hmm. and they and they squabble tough. They are they are like cats and dogs essentially. Oh yeah, uh, and in fact, Aarakocra, uh, their word for gargoyle translates to flying rock. <laughs> yeah. So, yes. So uh there's absolutely like zero chill when it comes to gargoyles for the Aracocra. Aracocra like, nah, nah, you no, get that yeah, flying rock. Get them yeah, out of here. No, like they're not letting them make it at all. Not a single bit. No. They, they keep so that would be keeping that the would be a, down. That would be a very cool um sort of dynamic within mm-hmm. a within a campaign is having one gargoyle, one Aracocra. And sort of having them like bicker back and forth. You know, thinking about the rod and the story between the gargoyles and the Arakokra, I think a really interesting campaign would be to give the party one of the pieces and have the gargoyles protecting another piece. Like just a, just a little piece of the story having like, like a, um, say a camp for lack of better words of gargoyles yep. that are guarding the second piece. Like, I think it would make a very, very excellent role playing and very excellent yeah. campaign. No, yeah, absolutely. I mm-hmm. mean, and you could play it any number of ways. Um, mm-hmm. You also uh, co-hosting the Resident Evil lore cast. You're familiar with the fact that there are some items in that game yep. that are useless unless you combine them with another item. Bingo. And so they could have the gargoyles could have this this piece of the rod, mm-hmm. but it, you know, it, it's completely useless until it attaches to another piece. It's to them. It's just some like ornate, like paperweight. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Oh, <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> and my so, DM bones chill. <laughs> and so the Aarakocra show up, you know, with, with the, with already a piece in hand, knowing, you know, mm-hmm. what lies in store for them. And the gargoyles are like, like no, we're not gonna like just on just on general principle, just on GP. Like no, yeah. we're not gonna give you this. Like I don't. Nah, we don't. We don't care if we think it's worthless. Like if you want it so bad, it must have us have some worth. So no, we're not gonna give it. To yeah, you. exactly. It, it makes like I said, it'll make for great role play. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, uh, as far as like creating a character is concerned, like I said, like it's. The flight aspect is really mm-hmm. the like the I feel like in in making this a playable character, like Wizards of the Coast only like you know wanted to like that they felt like that was enough to that was enough yeah. appeal. Yeah. 
because there's really not much in the way of racial traits. Like I said, mm-hmm. they have, um, they can use their talons as a natural weapon and they've got a plus two to dex and a plus one to wisdom. And beyond that, like that's it, but they can fly. I mean, you, yeah, 50 feet or t- yeah. around our turn. Like, and that's ridiculous. And flight for, and, uh, and Thanatos, uh, mentions in the chat it's the race that every dm hates and that's why they're so divisive because uh because they can seem op if the dm doesn't really know Uh how to throw something their way to challenge them yes if you're if you're doing your basic goblins and kobolds and what have you like uh, eric hoker is gonna have a field day with that stuff and oh yeah and just just take them out easily and see, they they've introduced in the newer newer books. They've introduced flying kobolds. Oh, nice! Yes, and they've also introduced vampire kobolds, which <laughs> nightmares. They are nightmares. <laughs> but these I, again are things you could throw to challenge your Arakokra player or players. No, no, yeah, exactly. If and that's the whole appeal of of any sort of game, but especially about D anD D. Like mm-hmm. you want to make it. You want to make it challenging enough that the players don't feel as if they can get away with anything, but you don't want to make it too challenging that the players feel like you're just going to TPK them. You're just going to total oh, yeah. party kill them. Yeah. Like it's, it's a fine balance between making it challenging enough so that they can solve the problem either through combat or non-combat mm-hmm. and have a great time. Sometimes it's okay to fudge the numbers, DMs. It's okay to fudge the numbers. <laughs> I mean, in terms of in in terms of telling a great story, like yeah, sometimes mm-hmm. sometimes fudging the numbers is the right choice, and sometimes it isn't. So, Sergio, I think it time might be time to do a mid break transition to talk about the new minis and our DMG corner. Let's go talk about stuff like that. Ooh, ooh, ooh! And then when we come back, we should discuss how to make some characters. How to build a birdman. Mm, birdman. <laughs> All right, let's go to our mid-break. Hello, this is Charlie Transmutation coming to you with another PSA announcement. No, Charlie, this is a commercial. What? Crap. Nobody told me that. Well, what are you supposed to do in this thing anyway? Well, Charlie, I'm glad you asked. This is the part where we introduce our new homebrew 5e D&D podcast, The Fumbling Four and the Almighty Crit, where we explore the homebrew world of Altaris using homebrew rules and homebrew material from the Dungeon Master's Guild. Yeah, sounds boring. I'm out of here. See you later, Charlie. We hope to have you guys come check us out soon. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. So here we are in the middle of the show. It's very middle in here. So midly. So midly. <laughs> Not beginning y or endy. Yeah, but very middly. Really midly. <laughs> so today, for our middle of our show, we got to start it with obviously thanking our patrons. Do you want to do the honor, Sergio, or should I? We can both do it. All right. We can both thank them. All right. Uh, I'll start. <laughs> <laughs> so, we first want to thank our scholar patrons. We have 
Wolf the Sheepdog, and we have Remington Cloutier. Thank and, you very much. Yes, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Uh, for our wizards, we have Chris Mitchell, Jonathan Sutter, and Stagger and Stumble. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, thank you. And I'll let you introduce the rest. Well, we've got two deities, two people that we worship. <laughs> they are Jared Bush and Lupus Malum. Mm-hmm. Of course, we will be, they have access to our monthly campaign mm-hmm. that Crit's putting together. Yes. Uh, I'll be playing in. And we'll also have, you know, until we have a full party, and this is, and this, this tier is, uh, is capped at five. So only, only five people get to play in the monthly game uh, until we get a full party. We'll have special guests filling in the mm-hmm. roles. Yep. But yeah, if, if we want to, again, we want to thank everyone who is, uh, who has supported us. Yes. Anyone who is supporting us by listening, by telling their friends, yes. by, uh, by spreading the word. Like if you're not able mm-hmm. to support the Patreon, just spreading the word about the show is is more than enough. Is more than we could ask for. Yep. Um, but if you can throw a few dollars our way, there we're trying to make it worth your while for sure. Big time. Yeah. So for five bucks, you get any number of things. You get <laughs> early access to the shows. Yep. For sure. So you'll get the show the fr- like the next day as opposed to uh, two days later. Mm-hmm. You'll also get ad free episodes. Uh, you get a sticker pack, which the stickers are posted on the D and D Lorecast channel, text yep. channel of the Robot, uh, the Robots Radio Discord. Uh, you'll be able to submit fan topics. So if you want to hear us talk about a certain topic, we'll put that in a fishbowl and we'll pick topics every so often. Yep. Uh, you'll get a shout out. Obviously, uh, we'll have stretch goal bonuses. Like so, like, let's say at. Once we reach a hundred patrons, we'll do something fun and wacky, and you'll be able to access that. Uh, yeah. Uh, at a, at the ten dollar tier, for those of you, the two of you guys at the ten dollar tier, you'll have an exclusive sticker, which will be the logo that I don't know if you'll be able to see it right here. It's the, what I'm pointing to. It's the other side, Sergio. This one. Whatever. Right here. It. There you go. Boop, boop, I don't boop, know. Boop. I don't. There. The sticker right here. <laughs> the uh, new Dungeons and Dragons designed. logo. I will be sending that out. Uh, if you're on the $25 tier, you get to chat with us at the end of the month. We'll be, we'll have our pay, our monthly patron chat. That's Which everything that soon. Yeah. Everything that was around before is still here. Plus a lot more. Yeah. There's a uh, ton. We'd probably take up half the show just talking about it. <laughs> go no, check yeah, it out. for sure. Go check it out. <laughs> yeah. Go to, yeah. Go to patreon.com slash D and D Lorecast and see all this, all the cool swag that you can get from us. Swag. Uh, speaking of our D&D campaign, I'm going to be getting with our deity patrons here soon. And I think this campaign is going to be exploring Dragon's Reach in Alteris and trying to discover nice. what happened to the dragons. Nice. Very mm. cool. Um, but let's start talking about the new D&D mini releases, shall we? I'm excited That's, about this. I'm excited about this. You are a man who <laughs> loves his minis. Yup. So the first one I'm going to show, uh, Lupus uh, Malum has actually brought up in our Discord before, 
And I've been waiting patiently to show this one because I saw it a long time ago and I was like, oh, because this thing is awesome. So we're going to bring it up here on our little Twitch stream for everyone to see. This is an adult emerald dragon. Now, this thing is sick looking. And for those of you who collect minis, we're talking it's probably going to be about the size they're they're talking about it. It's going to be about the size of the um, I always mess up the name on this. The Shartan Dragon from the Icewind Dale release. So it's going to be massive. It's going to be a big dragon. Um, I actually have somewhere in here that dragon. I can show you the size in a bit. Um, and for those of for those listening later on, yes, we'll have pictures of these on our on Discord. our Discord. Yep. Um, actually, that one's already on the Discord. Thanks to Lupus. <laughs> thanks, Lupus. Thanks, Lupus. So that is our emerald dragon, and it it doesn't really need any explanation. It's an emerald colored dragon. It's very shiny. Yep. Um, the next three, now that sorry, the emerald dragon is going to be released in November of this year. So it's coming soon. The next three won't be released. Unfortunately, right now they are scheduled to release in December. But these are some pretty gnarly ones. And I'll bring the first one, um, which is Zariel from the um, Descent into Avernus campaign. She is nice. getting she is getting a sick looking mini. Um, and if you haven't played Descent into Avernus, I rec- highly recommend it. Um, it is a killer campaign and Zariel is savage. That looks <laughs> badass. Yes. Think yes. of a um, like a demonic looking angel with like black and fire wings. The easiest way I've found to explain it is think of Nosferatu with a fiery halo and lava wings like lava angelic La- bat wings. There you go. Lava yeah. wings. Lava wings. Um, so that is Zariel. Um, the next we're going to bring up is the Archdevil Ball. Now, this is pretty this is pretty exciting. Um, Balls had minis in the past, um, tons, but none of them is quite as detailed as this one. So it is for those of you who don't know who Ball is, um, the easiest way to explain him is he's pretty much a a, a Minotaur. It's pretty much a Minotaur. Yeah. Um, Evil Minotaur. Evil Minotaur. Um, He's just savage looking i mean just look at the detail and those skulls on his belt Ugh. i'm gonna buy them immediately immediately <laughs> um and the last one we got is the archdevil bell um which is we, we it was discussed in a previous uh episode of the dungeon dragons lore cast uh from stewart and tom and he is he's he's basically a pit fiend. And yep. um, for those of you who don't know what a pit fiend is, it's simplest way to explain it is what you would think of when you think of a low level demon. Like, a you know, when you think of demon, you think horns and sharp teeth yep. and wings, giant leathery bat wings. He may red. be a low level demon, but he looks like the king of hell. Like yes. He looks absolutely terrifying. He's got severed heads as a belt, mm-hmm. <laughs> a fire sword. Yes. 
He this is. dude looks like one bad ace customer. Yeah. And he 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 ain't nothing to mess with in the in the D campaigns. He's, he's not he's the right one. If you mm-hmm. want to fight, he's the right one. He's the one. He's the one. Um but yes, that's what we have coming to us here soon. Those three will be releasing in December, and the Emerald Dragon will be releasing in November. I'm pretty stoked for all of them. I'm going to buy them all. <laughs> yeah, again, if, if you're listening to this after the fact and not watching on Twitch, definitely check out the Discords, the yes. Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast text channel on the Robots Radio Discord, and we'll be posting pictures of the, all three uh, all three of those or all four of those pretty awesome minis. Like, like I, I, I don't have the talent of painting miniatures, and that makes me wish that I did. Look at that guy. See, this is this is for you at Twitch. This is this is the size comparison to my head. I mean, this thing is about the size of, and you've got a pretty big dome. I do. Like you've got you got a big old melon. <laughs> you've got a big old melon, I and do. that and that's going to be the size of the Emerald Dragon. That's supposedly. We'll see. Okay. Um, it could be smaller. I don't foresee it being much smaller. But I mean, it's it's by no st- stretch like a mini. When you think of a mini, you think of something that's yeah, a, and a two or three inches, couple inches mm-hmm. tall. Yep. It's uh, it's a full on figure. It's it's yeah. pretty big. Yeah, you're definitely gonna get your money's worth out of it. But I'm done with my mini releases. Sergio, would you like to take the floor for our DMG's corner? So I was perusing the stacks at the uh, DMs Guild trying to find something Aarakocra related. And I found a couple of items that were really cool. And I'm going to highlight them both because they're only a buck a piece. Oh, yeah. And one of them is Ayanudin, the Tower of Mists, which is a uh, third to fifth level adventure. And it's relatively, it's it looks like you can you can plug it in to a pre-existing campaign or you can run it as a one shot. Ooh. But the introduction is that the party is approached by a tribe of the Aarakocra. They seek help in freeing the temple of Ayunadin from mm-hmm. a mist elemental, which has taken over the temple in a bloody battle and corrupted many of their kin into a cult of the Pazazu. And so it's got, you know, it's essentially, it's a dungeon crawl. It's a good old fashioned dungeon crawl. Which, we miss you know, those. We miss those. No, I mean, it's when all else fails, do a dungeon crawl. Why not? Mm-hmm. And so, like I said, it's it's one dollar. It's ninety nine cents. Like I said, you can fit it into a pre existing campaign, or you can run it as a one shot. Yeah, and it, it it comes with a recommend. The second. Uh, the second uh, piece of content that we want to highlight is Autobahn's Guide to the Aarakocra Subraces. Now, what this gentleman or gentle person, nerd metal, is who wrote it. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's written. It's written much like uh, Volo's Guide to Monsters or Xanathar's Guide to Everything. It's it's written as if it's a in-universe character. Yep writing about uh writing about stuff that they see and record and um and that that character is autobahn which is play on words autobahn if you're into <laughs> driving vehicles fast you're into yeah, that autobahn. but it's a guide to bird folk and it's a really cool if they what they've done is they have 
they have essentially homebrewed six different Aarakocra tribes. Ooh. You've got the uh, penguin tribe. You've got the Ratit tribe. You've got the hummingbird tribe, the corvid tribe, the owl tribe, the waterfall tribe. And each comes with its own um, racial feats. Mm-hmm. So it expands on the the overall base of the Aarakocra and allows you to do a little bit more customization. Like uh, like the penguin tribe has a racial feat of blubber. Your soft blubbery body is perfect for keeping warm in cold temperatures. You have resistance to cold damage and advantage to saving throws related to frigid temperatures. I like that. I really do. Very cool. Right? Uh, the owl tribe has a racial feat known as turning heads. You have a weirdly flexible neck. You can turn your head almost all the way around, granting you advantage on wisdom or perception rolls that require sight. Also a neat party trick. Mm. <laughs> Who? It also it also includes um, like a new weapons, like homebrew weapons that they, they could use. Oh, I love those. And like I said, if you if you want to play as an Aarakocra and find the you know the, the the base options a little limiting, which they absolutely are, mm-hmm. something like this could go a long way into crafting a more customized character for you. Yeah. And like I said, this is also it's the it's uh, the Autobahn's Guide to Aarakocra Subraces. It's also ninety nine cents on the DMG. So again, it comes. It's it. It's a perfect mix of mm-hmm. all the things I love, like cool creative content at an affordable price. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Can't go wrong with that. Can't go wrong with that one. Well, I do want to add one thing to add. our DMG corner. <gasps> a surprise I, entrance. A surprise. Uh, oh, so uh, Stuart, whom we love. Yes, was we do previous, love Stuart. Previous host of the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast um, has sent us something that we made the fatal mistake of not mentioning last time. Do you remember That's what right, this yeah. is? Yep. Demon's Bane in the Bitter Peak. Yep. Yes. Stuart, Stuart has a lot of cool stuff going on right now. Yes. Yes. Um, currently, he's working on something to increase accessibility to the D&D adventures that he's creating. So as we know, we'll let you know. Um, but we're I'm super excited to see this. I'm super excited to see this come out and, and work with it and everything else. But even more exciting, which I've already ordered, is his zombie campaign. Um, the um, it slipped my brain. I'm excited about it. Uh, Sergio, help me out. <laughs> Uh, what's so rotten about zombies yes. guarding a uh, guarding an ancient temple? Yes. Yeah. Guarding an ancient temple. I was like, I know it's what's so rotten about zombies. Yes. Um, I, he, he has physical copies of this book for sale right now. Yeah. Just brand new copies. Mm, yes. And you bet defending, your boy. Pre-order. Defending an ancient temple, not guarding. An ancient, uh, an yeah. Ancient defending, temple. defending, defending. Yeah. Yep. Um, but yes, physical copies of it. And, Sergio knows me. I love my physical copies of books. I love, love I mean, as, as much as I, as much as I love, or as much as I enjoy being able to hold, um, you know, thousands of pages worth of D and D information in the palm of my hand through a tablet. I mean, I love holding a physical copy of a book. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've already, I already have a copy of wretched wastelands, which yes. is a game that, that Stuart had done before. Yes. 
And I was yeah, really looking into that one, but I, I just, at the time, I couldn't afford to get it. I'm probably going to go back and get it. <laughs> probably should, but yeah. Was, uh, What's So Rotten About Zombies Defending an Ancient Temple Yes, uh, is available on exaltedfuneral.com. Yep. We'll include a link in the show notes. But you, mm-hmm. uh, it's a super fun game. It's, it's irreverent. It's it's a it's a twist on the old uh, trope of having of a party going into an ancient temple and having to fight zombies to get whatever treasures hiding is yep. hidden within. And it turns that on its head. Instead of the adventuring heroic campaign party, you are the zombies, like trying to keep them from from mm-hmm. getting that aforementioned treasure. Yes. Um, but yeah, he describes it as dark, grim, and probably goofy. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's, yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Yes. So with all that being said, I think we should go back to starting to create our era Kokra character. Let's create a Birdman. Woo! Let's transition. Let's go. traffic and weather. Well, looks like almost everyone's still dead, so traffic is at a standstill. <laughs> and now a word from our sponsor, because they're totally not bribing me with massive amounts of chems or anything. Seems as the stuffed shirts are back at the White Springs playing games with that total loser modus. But hey, if that's your thing, whatever. So if all you squares wanted to hear more, totally, sort of, but maybe not boring stories about rebuilding Appalachia and being all goody-two-shoes, definitely not Raiders, check out this thing they call a podcast, The Modus Files, whatever that's supposed to be, on Spotify, iTunes, and wherever else you listen to those things. Double ugh, they're not paying me enough for this. Till later, this is Rose. Raiders rule! Alright, so there we are. We're back from the mid-break. It was a long one, but it was a lot of info and a lot of wonderful things. A lot of cool stuff. It was a lot of cool stuff. So, let's get into creating an Aracocra character. Sergio, what do you got for us? Alright, so, well, there are two paths you can take. Uh, one is so in Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, there is there are options to customize your origins, and if you're going to go that route, then just about every single class is either fantastic uh-huh. or at least decent for an Aarakocra. Yeah, um, like you could be a a, a bard. The songbird, <laughs> uh, or or any spellcasting cl- class mm-hmm. like the wizard, the sorcerer, the the war, uh, warlock. Yep. Um, that's again, like I said, if, if you're using the customizer origins options from Tasha's, then like I said, the literally the the eerie is your oyster. <laughs> <laughs> the possibilities are endless. Pretty much. Um, now, if you're using just the base options, mm-hmm. you still got a lot of cool things that you could do. 
but it definitely like spell casting. Yep. Um, you're pretty much just casting spells in the air. Not really uh-huh. too much um, uh, beyond like, oh, I'm able to fly while doing this. But uh, you could definitely uh, a fighter or a ranger, like a fighter with an emphasis on ranged attacks, mm-hmm. uh, melee attacks because of your brittle bones, your, your tiny hollow brittle bones because of that, uh, a melee fighter probably isn't the best. And also if you you're in the air, like what, like, unless you're fighting another, you know, uh, in flight character, like who are you slashing a sword against? So I want to challenge you on this one let's go come on come at me bro so sergio already hinted at this and you know i like to min max every once in a while sure absolutely so monks everyone overlooks a monk Mm -hmm. toasty already mentioned this (laughs) monks can choose whether they use strength or dexterity as their stat of choice true you already get a plus two as an arakokra yep now I want you to picture this. A monk Arakokra that already has a D4 for Talon damage runs up to you and will say that they're a level 6, which means they have to choose a path. Choose Way of the Fist. Now, this gives you additional damage, so that 1D4 becomes a 1D6. Uh, Actually, becomes a 1D6 just because you're a monk at 6th level. Um... But you also get to use key. Now, key, the interesting thing with key is you're not really striking for the fact of damage. You're striking for the fact of implementing disadvantage to your opponent and giving yourself a new approach to advantage. So you can use your key for things like stunning strike, which stunning strike is is terrible on its own. it basically stuns you. It's in the name. It stuns your character or the opponent, I should say. Um, starting at fifth level, you can interfere with the flow of key in your opponent's body. When you hit another creature with a melee weapon attack, or for the sake of monks, your fists are considered melee. They're yep, considered all absolutely. kinds of things. Uh, yep. You can skin one key point to attempt stunning strike. The target must succeed a constitution saving throw or be stunned until the end of your next turn. Now think about that because I've had this happen to me from a player. They've they've stunned my NPC. That means one whole turn I can do nothing. If they go first in combat order, I I don't get to take a turn. If they just keep stunning striking you... That's all she yeah, wrote. And then, That's all she and wrote. If, if you've got another player character mm-hmm. attacking that, that same NPC. Yes. And that's the beautiful thing about making an Arakokra into a monk. You can choose strength or dex being your primary stat. Yep. And dex will play a part into a lot of your saving throws. So they also get evasion and things like this. But the cool part is, this is what I want you to think. You get to fly 50 feet. I do. Okay. What is stopping you from picking up a medium-sized creature, stunning striking them in the air, and then dropping them? Well, you would have to <laughs> you'd have to do a grapple check. Yes. But again, I have advantage on dexterity checks. So I can choose instead of using a strength, I can choose to use grapple if I can justify it. 
Mm-hmm. I've had characters, uh, players justify this to me before. Well, my expertise in martial arts would be better, more dexterity based than strength based. Fair enough. Roll for me. You know. So let's say you do succeed your grapple. Be it be strength or dexterity. You've got this guy in the air. You stunning strike him in midair and then drop him from 60, 70 feet. That's it. Game over. Yeah. That's that's quite a that's quite a terrible tumble, for sure. So you want to min-max a character, I highly recommend going with monk. Now I can see where rangers would imply, you know, flying through the air, archery, you know, things like that. But monk is really where you would shine as a min-maxed Arakokra because of that plus two dexterity. I mean, I, w- I would argue that that the ranger, that the airborne ranger mm. would would be their, your best min-max ability, uh, choice simply because uh, ranged weapons use dexterity for, uh, for their modifier rather than strength. Mm-hmm. And so you're just you know, perched up somewhere firing off arrows uh, at a high enough level, multiple arrows per attack. And what are the, what they, what can they do? You know, the, well, you know, see monks can throw missiles. They can use era. Oh, Sergio <laughs> missiles. You say <laughs> missiles. You say, yes. Uh, let me find it. You can use key points to deflect missiles. Now, this is interesting because deflect missile isn't just deflecting. Starting at third level, you can use your reaction to deflect or catch missiles when you are hit by a ranged weapon attack. When you do so, the damage you take from the attack is reduced by 1d10 plus your dexterity modifier plus your monk level. If you reduce to zero, you can catch the missile. And if it's small enough to hold in your hand, you and you have at least one hand free, you can catch and spend one key to throw it back at the opponent. So essentially... I see what you're saying with archers and using that dexterity as a as a ranger. However, if you're in the sky and somebody you have darts in your hand, you can use deflect missile to throw the dart at the same speed, if not maybe better, as a ranger could shoot those arrows. And if they're shooting at you at a distance, you can use deflect missile to deflect that attack right back at them. Hmm. <laughs> I never considered the deflect missile to be used to so, to outright throw something. Oh yeah, it's like I said. If you want a min max, go with a monk. <laughs> min maxing with a monk can almost be done with any race, but it really shines with an Arakokra. As Toasty and Chad has hinted at with his drunken monk. <laughs> But at any rate. Yeah, so I, there's a lot of cool stuff you can do. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, monk, obviously, oh. you know, a ranger. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. A cleric. I mean, can yes. you imagine uh, healing from the heavens? Exactly. And, like you never have to worry about our cleric going down because the cleric always stays up. <laughs> <laughs> they up in the sky. Nobody's going to mess with them. And so you're up there just, just, you know, sort of like, mm-hmm. uh, you have a bird's eye view, ha ha ha, of, you know, <laughs> who, who needs help and you're, you're throwing out, uh, you know, cure wounds, mm-hmm. cure, cure light wounds, whatever you need to do to the entire party. Oh yeah. 
Oh yeah. And see, that's why I said Arakoker is just like the monk class is for classes. Arakoker is that for a race. It really does meld well in almost any yep. special. Absolutely. Elite. Almost any class. Healing from a distance, even further than most enemies can reach, it's wonderful. Like you said, the healer will never go down. It's fantastic. <laughs> And so, I mean, I could see, I could see why a bunch of DMs, why the AL have outright banned the race because it, you you could overpower it. You, oh, of it could over, it could be overpowered. At the same time, like you know, my as as someone who has DM'd more than they've actually played, mm-hmm. my you know my uh, method is not to like, oh, you can't use that. I because oh, yeah. it's I want to be like okay you want to use that like let's may, let's let's you know not make it to where you regret it but you know you're not you're not going to just get away with just with just anything like oh, you're yeah. definitely going to have to earn all of like all of what you're picking uh-huh. and so like we like we've discussed if you know with unique role playing choices and backstory ideas rewarding that. Uh-huh. Like we're also gonna a good DM will also challenge you. Oh yeah. On on choices that you make. Oh yeah. Right. Well, we're coming towards the end, and you know what that means. Magic item. (laughs) So Sergio, I didn't bring one. I brought two because they're just that awesome. You're too good to these people. (laughs) You're too good to our listeners. Don't get don't get ahead of yourself here. (laughs) <laughs> so our first magical item is are you ready for this i am adamantine wing shield Ooh. Mm, mm. now we'll talk about the good first now with this good comes you have additional armor class for our kokra it is adamantine so that means it's a lighter weight metal it's not as heavy nice. but it is durable you could also right. replace adamantine with mithril if you want to make arguments sake, because adamantine is a little bit heavier. But I digress. It's a little bit lighter weight, so our bird friends can carry it. However, it is still heavier than what they're used to. So you will reduce your flight speed by half. Mm, Yes. However, you will increase your AC. Is the juice worth the squeeze? Yeah, that's what we're going to get to. You will increase your AC by plus five. Oh, that's that's. Mm-hmm. That definitely would be worthwhile. I feel. Yes. In addition to that, you will also be able to use an additional slashing attack with your wings that will deal 1d6 damage. Nice. Mm-hmm. So if you are, so is it considered, what kind of armor is it considered? Is it light? It is considered for the sake of argument light so that our okay. Coker friends can utilize it. Okay. But because it is made of a material of some substance, it still has to have that penalty of weight. Right. So if you you couldn't wear it as a monk, though. Mm. Well, why not? I thought monks had um, had restrictions to what kind of armor they could. No, I'm thinking of a druid. Yeah, you're thinking of druids. Monks can wear druids. it, but monks typically get a better bonus based on their yeah. dexterity modifiers. I'm thinking of druid mm-hmm. not being able to wear yeah. uh, non- not being able to wear like non-natural, like non-organic, non-organic material. Yeah. Right, right. But 
I thought of our druid friends. This is why I brought a second item. Yes. Yes. I love it. So there's our first item. Um, there's the good and the bad. You get this crazy attack. You get a crazy AC bonus, but you're losing half of your flight speed. Which is a big reason. A lot of I, I, I would argue that it's one of the at least the big reason anyone mm-hmm. would choose that race. Oh, of course. So are you really willing to deduct yourself from that flight speed for that added bonuses? It's a right. it's it really fits our paladin friends more than anything, giving us right. that big boost so we can tank our way through things. But for our druid friends and those of us who want to stay on the lighter weight side, I have added the black root talon. Okay, I'm listening. Mm. So these are caps that will go over the Arakokra's talons. Like like brass knuckles, but for talons. But for talons, yes. Hell yeah. Yes. And they're made of black wood, which is some of the most sturdy wood in D&D. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. that being said, they're sharpened to a unrealistic point. Right. That gives us a 1d8 claw attack damage. Instead, As opposed to the 1d4. Exactly. Right. Now, cool, cool. they're not that fantastic of items, so we don't really need a penalty. They're great for adding additional damage, but we don't really need a penalty. However, yep. we will add a cost. These will probably averagely cost you right around two to 3,000 gold pieces. Right. Because right. it is Some... very hardly hard to acquire wood, and you have to find a craftsman for it. Yeah, I can understand that. I mean, mm. it sounds like a like a mid-level, like mm-hmm. anywhere from like 8 to 12, 12th level uh, item for a character. That, oh, yeah. Um, like it's it's uh, on par with like being able to get a, a plus one, you know, great sword or mm-hmm. a plus one, what have you. Like, yeah, I like it. I like yeah. it. It's one very, very fair. Both these items are very fair. Very fair. <laughs> I like them. I like it a lot. You got a good mind for this stuff, kid. Mm. You got you got <laughs> a brew, baby. There, there's got to be a big old brain in that big old head for sure. I don't know. Let me rattle it around a little bit. Let's find out. <laughs> like a skip break big can. <laughs> well, Sergio, before we end our show, is there anything you want to let our fans know about you're doing? Yeah, just uh, keep listening to the D&D Lorecast. We're here every week. We've got bonus episodes twice, at least twice a month. Mm-hmm. Uh if you want to keep listening to me talk, I also host uh, Fandom University every other week where we talk show. about, thank you, <laughs> any number of nerd things. We just finished up talking about the comic book writer, Grant Morrison, mm-hmm. and just in time for spooky season, we'll, we will be discussing a bunch of uh, Halloween, Michael Myers, like Halloween, yes, the, you know, Michael Myers mm-hmm. movie franchise, not just Halloween movies in general, but the actual like Halloween's one, two, H2O. Yep. Uh, the new ones that are uh, the one that came out a couple years ago mm-hmm. and the one that's coming out next month. Uh, me and my co-host Sean Hamill will be talking about uh, all that stuff. And we've we got a lot of a lot of cool stuff planned. They just dropped the Matrix Four trailer. So yep. Come by the come the end of the year, we'll be talking about the Matrix Two, and in between now and then, we'll also uh, talk about the Eternals, which is the next uh, big Marvel movie coming out. So woo, 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 woo. very, very cool stuff <laughs> coming from our end. Yeah. You got a lot of, and I will say in all honesty, it is a good show. It really Thank is a you. nice deep dive into things and you do really get to, you know, I remember when you guys did the resident evil, it was the first episode, mm-hmm. first couple of yep. episodes. Um, yep. There was a really deep dive and I even hosting the resident evil lure cast. I learned a few things from that. Um, yep. So it's, it's, if you're really interested in diving deep into that nerdum, 
definitely go check it out. It's a really Thank good you. show for you. Um, on my end. Oh my goodness. <laughs> How much time do we got? Ugh, I know. So I also ho- co-host um, the Resident Evil Lorecast. Um, as previously mentioned. As previously mentioned multiple times. Um, we've got that going. We have the Fumbling Four and the Almighty Crit, which is our homebrew D&D 5e podcast. Um, where I DM a group of uh, characters that... And they are characters. They are characters. Really like their tomfoolery. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's highly produced. It's got a lot of sound effects, music. It's... it's, I like it. Top-notch production. (laughs) Um, We also have our Cyberpunk Red podcast, Cyberpunked, um, which is... It's going pretty strong. Um, It's... It's... I will say it's got a lot of good role play in it. A lot of good role playing. Um, and then we have our Call of Cthulhu Mythos Mysteries, seventh edition podcast, um, where we play Call of Cthulhu. Um, we are actually ramping up for a surprise change of season uh, where we're going to dive into uh, drum roll, please. <clears throat> Pop Cthulhu. Ooh. Yes, we're going to be going and uh, we've decided that we're going to go with these seasons in order. So we're going to go pulp then we're probably going to go into like the 60s and 70s. So we're going to keep going and then we're going to wrap it back around with some extra special surprises. So wait for those. Nice. So, yeah, not one, not two, but three mm-hmm. live playcasts. Nice. Yes. And then uh, coming November, fingers crossed. Keep your calendars marked. We'll see how it goes. But we're going to be releasing the Avatar Legends TTRPG podcast. Um. Yeah, that's a lot of stuff. <laughs> a lot of stuff. A lot of cool stuff. <laughs> um, and then for our fans here on the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast, um, I am going to be taking a couple days off in October. Not from the podcast. Don't worry. We're still going to record. Always um, recording. Always recording. But I'm going to take a couple days off of my normal day job so I can sit down and actually dedicate the time you guys deserve to an online merch store. And I'm going to customize a lot of merch um, from hats, backpacks, T-shirts. I mean, you name it. I'm going to I'm going to sit down for a, a lengthy week and I'm going to design a lot of gear for everyone. So whatever yeah. you're into, whatever you're looking for, I'll have it for you. Like, in a, yeah, a lot of cool, like different mm-hmm. D&D themed merch. Yeah. Like um, like the stickers that are in the sticker pack is just the tip of the iceberg. Of, yes. You know, like um, uh the three stickers that we've designed, one of them has a, uh, is a 20, it's a, it's a 20 sided die with a 20 <laughs> and it says, damn, it feels good to be a gangster. <laughs> uh, the other one is a natural failure. It's a 20 sided die on a one. And it says, well, never mind." which is something that I've said <laughs> countless times countless after times. rolling a one, I'd say like, all right, I'm going uh, to attack the, uh, cobalt with my scimitar. <laughs> well, never mind. <laughs> Swing and a miss. <laughs> and then uh, uh, my personal favorite, which is the uh, the callback to the like um, all the uh, spells that are named after old school characters mm-hmm. that uh, Gary Gygax and his like kids would play. Yeah, it's like a the the design is the first time, and I've seen it several times throughout. But the first time I ever saw it was it was a um, a Run DMC t-shirt <laughs> that said like it was like uh dre and cube and easy and ren 
And so what I did for this one, it's, uh, it says Melf and Tasha and, uh, with Melf and Tasha and Tensor and Big B. And the that's OGs. Same sort of <laughs> yeah. And so like, uh, like Tensor, I believe was, uh, uh, Gygax's kid. Mm-hmm. Cause I think, uh, their middle name is Ernest. Right. Yep. And he was, he was Gary Gygax Jr. Gary Ernest Gygax Jr. And, and Tensor is just Ernest, like sort of mixed up. Right. Mm-hmm. And so tensors. And so like, it's like, a, I always wondered the first time I ever opened up a D and D book, I always wondered like, who are these characters? It turns out that they're, um, they're, real they're, people. they're yeah, they're real people or <laughs> characters played by real people. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, the only other thing I have to say before we decide to go is I want to give the patrons another thank you because yeah, thank you so much. All of this stuff, I mean, the merch, everything else, all of your patron funds, we're trying our best to pump right back into making everything better for you. Um, We're taking the time to really, really listen. So if you guys have any input or things that you want to see, feel free to reach out to us on Patreon. If you're a patron or feel free to reach out to us in the Discord. Say, hey, I really, really want to see something like this. Or, hey, this sounds really cool. Look at this thing. You know, let us know. If yep, it's in our absolutely. power, we'll get it done. Um, don't afraid to ask. You know, that's that's what we are here for. We are true diehard nerds of the D&D and our TTRPG franchises, period. Yep. And we really want to show support, show love, and give you some of the best content we can and give you some of the best materials we can. That's why we do this, because we love you. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. <laughs> Can't get much more plain. Can't get much more simple than that. Bingo. We love you guys. We, we love do. you all. We do. So on that note, Sergio, I think for it's time for us to depart. I am going to go clean up some of this dragon poop from the uh, tower. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We'll see y'all. Thanks for listening to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with a friend, following us on Twitter at DND Lorecast, or jumping on the Robots Radio Discord to chat more with us about Dungeons and Dragons. We'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net. What up to Night City? You're listening to N54 Radio. This is DJ Sparks bringing you a new hit show from Night City, Cyberpunk, a cyberpunk red live play podcast. Listen as a ragtag group slamming on the corpos. Survive the streets and try to keep from being flatlined. You can tune in on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts. DJ Sparks out! Long gone are the days where people sing about West Virginia as almost heaven. After nuclear war and disease, it's far from heaven now. Far From Heaven, a Fallout 76 story podcast, is a tale of survival, conflict and hope set in the Fallout 76 game world. Join our survivors on their journey to reach that almost heaven once more. Available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon and many other great podcasts and apps. Far From Heaven. Fallout 76 story, available now. 
Hi, I'm Firewriter, and I'm the host of The Pixel People, a podcast dedicated to taking a close look at our favorite characters from our favorite video games. From major characters who define the course of a game's storyline, to smaller characters who you might have never noticed. Every week, we go beyond the quest line to examine a particular character's story arc and choices, and discover the real-world parallels and life lessons hidden just below the surface. I hope you'll join us. You can find the Pixel People on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else you listen to podcasts.